This is State of Water. This is State of this Water. This is State of Water. This is State of Water. State of Water coming at you right now. State of Water, a podcast focusing on clean water issues and their relationship to policy, equity, community, and climate. Featuring captivating interviews with Michiganders from many walks of life, State of Water is the official podcast of the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan, a program of the nonprofit organization Title Track. Hey, this is Jenny from Title Track. If you resonate with what you're about to hear, put those feelings into action. Take the first step toward getting involved by going to titletrackmichigan.org slash contact to sign up for our mailing list. Welcome back, friends. Thanks for lending your ears. In the aftermath of last Friday's devastating ruling from the Michigan Public Service Commission to grant the permits for the Line 5 tunnel, we're happy to present this interview with Bill Alotka co-founder of the Oil and Water Don't Mix campaign. Bill is an amazing storyteller, filmmaker, climate change activist who has been on the front lines of the effort to shut down Line 5 for years. State of Water host Seth Bernard sat down with Bill this past weekend for an in-depth conversation on his initial reactions to the disappointing decision, what's next as far as shut down Line 5 strategizing, the importance of creativity and imagination in organizing work, how the Oil and Water Don't Mix Coalition has been so effective at building a broad community of support, and finally, how folks can get involved in this movement as this essential work continues, advocating to keep oil out of the Great Lakes and inspiring a transition to a clean energy future. We'll post a link in the episode notes as well as on social media, but make sure to visit oilandwaterdontmix.org for the latest action alerts and opportunities to get involved. Thanks again for tuning in, and please look for more State of Water episodes dropping in the next few weeks. All right, here's Seth and Bill. Bill, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. Great to see you. Oh, Seth, it's my pleasure. So um, our listeners know that you're co-founder of the Oil and Water Don't Mix campaign, and you've been on the front lines of this work from the very beginning. Anytime I've ever been to an event related to Line 5, You've been there with your camera. You've helped organize it. I've gotten emails, texts from you. Um, And so you were there in Lansing uh, on Friday for the Michigan Public Service Commission meeting. And I would love uh, to just, you know, hand the mic over to you, hear from you about what exactly went down. And um, and then we can talk about next steps from here. You know, the. the MPSC doesn't really telegraph what they're going to do, right? So there's really no way of knowing what the what the plan is. We actually prepared press releases for each way in advance, you know, hoping for the best that it was going to be a good turnout and they were going to deny the permit. But when they said we're awarding the permit, we're approving the permit, it was like it it, it had a different. It it went from from being a very uh, sort of mental exercise about what it, what does this mean to being very visceral and very emotional? You know, it's like everybody in the room, they just turned 
and, and me. And, and it was like, it was like a gut punch because we spent so not just, not just only one word on mix, not just me and everybody that works, here, but everybody across the region, you know, my can who did a like tremendous work, Michigan climate action network and, uh, environmental law and policy center, they got together and they went and intervened and they, you know, they brought experts and witnesses about climate. And, um, you know, we spent so much time as a campaign, uh, uh, bringing and elevating and, and asking and demanding that they that they consider climate before they make the decision. And so when they finally did do that and they said, okay, we're going to consider climate, it's like, oh, right. You know, and then Mike and, and ELPC got involved and they did their thing and brought their experts and witnesses and stuff. And we felt good. I mean, I, I felt good that that, okay, finally, we're going to have a chance even though the momentum is like not in our favor to, to move things away from, from fossil fuels, we thought, okay, this could be the chance. This could be the time that they're going to, that these people are going to listen up, that they're going to really understand what the, what's at risk. And so when they said we're approving the permit, it was, it was a emotional, I was an emotional wreck, you know, I almost lashed out. <laughs> And, and I actually, at the end, I said something not so nice to, to Dan, the commissioner, uh, Dan Scripps, because I, I couldn't help myself. And, um, uh, it just, it, it just was a, a not, not good decision. Uh, it was a bad decision. Yeah. I saw some of the videos that you posted of people's reactions and it was just that it was visceral. People were emotionally sharing their true feelings and these are people who have put hours days weeks months years i mean many years into this and we're talking about one you know multinational corporation that stands to post billions in profits billions that are not going to be reinvested here in the great lakes region versus a coalition of hundreds of thousands of people from the great lakes region from all walks private sector you know, uh, nonprofit sector, um, citizens, you know, churches, schools, people have rallied around this issue in a, in a way that is, is very beautiful and rare, but people who have nothing to gain from it, people who really the opposite, who have poured their own hard-earned money into this campaign, into all the different groups working toward it. So there's been this deep emotional investment that is rooted in what I see as community care and the common good. People who see the bigger picture, that this poses a terrible risk to, to our livelihood, to the natural world, to the world at large when you look at it from a climate perspective, but really every day to our community, to our, our region. And the data is there, you know, I mean, there have been countless um, studies and reports that have come out showing that this is not needed and that, I mean, we don't need it today to, to meet our energy needs. And this is not the direction we want to go with how we generate energy. So devastating and also not the end of the story. So. I'm curious to know what the leadership at Oil and Water Don't Mix um, 
is discussing internally. And, you know, there are some other things that are already in motion right now that, that we can talk about. So, so where is your mind, you know, in terms of looking forward right now, Bill? Well, you know, we have to break this cycle of, uh, of momentum towards, or, uh, the status quo. We've got to break that cycle that thinking that, okay, we need oil to move ahead. And, you know, there is a truth that there's got to be a transition, but you can't start a transition by building an oil tunnel. That's going to be, you know, housing a pipeline for a hundred years. I mean, that's, it's just ridiculous. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. So, so what we have to do is focus on, um, how do we break? How do we make that break? You know, we need, uh, Back, one of the things that started the Oil in the Water Don't Mix campaign, actually, and right now I'm editing a video about it, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, about what we're, what was coming up. But um, we started the Oil and Water Don't Mix campaign as a bunch of climate activists. And we all went to the clim- Forward on Climate Rally in Washington, D.C. And I know you asked me about what's looking forward, but let me just take you on a little journey here. Good. Yeah, how we got good. here. So. You know, we went to the Forward on Climate Rally in Washington, D.C. about 10 years ago, and we all came back thinking, let's shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. Mm-hmm. And when we got here, somebody said, hey, have you seen this new report, this uh, this sunken hazard, you know, from Beth Wallace and National Wildlife Federation? And we're like, let's shut that one down, you know? And th- the thing is, to move forward, we have to, we can look at what happened with Keystone XL, which was there was a lot of momentum to get the thing built, right? And uh, and actually, you know, Obama was going to, he said, let's shut it down. And then Trump got in and he said, no, let's keep it going. And then Biden came in and said, no, we're going to shut it down. And that was a much, much easier project to stop because it wasn't built. Uh, this is an operating pipeline. But what, what we had is somebody... You, use their imagination to see, wait a minute, now is the time that we can make a change. And so it, it, it really going forward, I think it's a political decision because, you know, the fossil fuel industry is so entrenched. It's sort of like, uh, uh, you know, it's in our veins, fossil fuels, right? It's everything operates like that. And we know that we have to stop that. So we need imagination from our leaders. We need imagination from Biden and his administration to say, okay, we want to address this issue. Well, here's how we do it. Let's start shutting down pipelines. Let's just, let's just not just stop them from being built. Let's start shutting them down. And this is a pipeline that doesn't make any sense being where it is. And we already, unfortunately, a lot of the oil that even when this pipeline is shut down, a lot of the oil can still get to market in different ways, but we have to start somewhere. We've got to start by protecting the Great Lakes. Uh, This tunnel is a boondoggle. It's not going to happen in my estimation. Um, You know, and if it does, it's going to be 15 years until it gets built and God knows what could happen by then, right? With an anchor strike or whatever. They're just but buying time to continue. They're just buying time. So, so, so moving forward, it's an imagination. It's a political problem. And right now, oil and water don't mix is, is organizing across the region, across the country. And we're actually heading to Washington, D.C. tomorrow. I'm flying there to uh, 
we're, we're holding a nation, nationwide convening to get national green groups involved in helping us to reach the administration, helping reach our congressionals, put pressure on Biden to make that political decision and shut this thing down. Wow. Fantastic. So it's all in on a federal strategy and out of, it's out of the hands of our elected leaders at the well, state. Well, for, for now, uh, you know, the, when Whitmer uh, back in 2020 shut it down uh, and then sued Enbridge and then they took that to the federal court. And then after a while, the judge they, they pulled in that federal court case was not going to shut it down. So the Whitmer administration decided, hey, we're just going to give up on this, which uh, was a, it was a shame that that had to happen. But I get it. You know, um, there is one chance uh, in Michigan. Uh, there's a case where uh, uh, Attorney General Nessel sued Enbridge in state court. And uh, a while ago, Enbridge said, hey, this should be in federal court. And it got uh, in the shutdown case went to federal court where it should not be. It's actually there Ill illegally because when um, when when a when a course when a, when a case is filed in state court, they have a short amount of time to d determine does this belong in state court, and if we want it to go to federal court, I, and I forgive me, I don't know exactly. I don't know if it's if it's thirty days or three months or, but it's something relatively short where that decision has to be made if it's going to go. Well, this thing was there for like two and a half or three years in in state court. They were waiting to see what, what was going to happen with this other lawsuit, right? Mm -hmm. And so nothing happened on it. But then Enbridge decided, hey, that ought to be in federal court. We won there. We're going to. And so they, they did. They, they pulled it to federal court. Well, the problem is it shouldn't be there. Um, everybody knows it shouldn't be there. And um, uh, Nestle and a bunch of other people have filed amicus briefs to say, you need to have a hearing in federal court to move this back to state court. So if it does go back to state court, it would go back to the same judge, Judge Jamo in in uh, in a, a, a court there in, in uh, Lansing, who did shut the pipeline down like temporarily back when there was a anchor strike on it. Right? He went and said, "Okay, we're going to listen to you." Uh, and and Nestle filed an injunction. They shut it down for several days or a couple weeks, while uh, we could while they could examine and make sure that it wasn't broken, you know, and then it opened back up. So, so this judge could shut it down if it got back in his hands. Okay. So that's, that seems like the one pathway in the, in the state, right? In the state. So no real hope that Dana Nessel would open a new lawsuit or that Gretchen Whitmer could take some no. sort of executive action. No. Okay. You know, the other crazy thing is you know, just last week, the the uh, the Whitmer administration they got through these new, pretty good climate bills, right? Yeah, that was great news. It's great news, right? There's still a lot of crap in there, uh, and and mostly because you know, it's 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 a law. It's not perfect, but it's way better than what we had. Yep. But for then, for her, just last week to sign this bill into law. And then for her MPSC to say, okay, we're going to build a tunnel. That is crazy. It, it is, is crazy. I know. I was kind of, when I saw the thing go down in that order, Bill, it was like, well, wh what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, 
did she know that the Michigan Public Service Commission had come to that? And I mean, both of those things were working. I mean, a lot of the same groups were were like leveraging for good outcomes in both of those ways, LCV, MICAN. Um, but to have those two things sort of cancel each other out was a was a gut punch. We were so happy and then and then so disappointed. Um yeah. 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 So okay, so let's talk about this DC trip. What does it look like for you? What's your vision? Um we had we had a a um a meeting in St. Louis a few weeks ago where a bunch of, of the folks came out from DC and we showed them what's at stake. You know, we took a boat ride and saw the straits and we awesome. had long meeting and and everybody's fired up about being involved. Um, so this is the second part where hopefully some people that were not able to make it to the first meeting will be there and we're going to strategize about how to put pressure on the, the Biden administration. I don't know what, what exactly that looks like. You know, well, it'll unfold over the next couple of days, okay. but, um, it, it's, it's really something where, um, we're, we're, we're taking that to that next level because we need it to go to the next level, you yeah. know? And, um, and so we're, we're hoping that everybody is going to rally around this issue and see this as a, as a potential win, because I think it is a potential win. I think so too. Yeah. And it has tremendous momentum and thanks to you and, and, and others in the coalition, there is a deep narrative piece too, where it has changed the narrative over time and, and moved the needle and really pressured elected leaders even though it's not going in an ideal way, there, there has been tremendous organizing around this and tremendous storytelling around this. And I thank you for using your talents and your experience and your craft for the common good, you know, um, and, and also just your, t you, you as a strategist and organizer are so inspiring and, and I've learned so much from you and watching you and, and you've been so generous in sharing some of these tools and, and strategies and the, and, and imagination, you know? Um, and, and I think that it's helped me feel more confident as an artist and as a creative person feeling like, yeah, that the tools of the creative pro process really do have such a, uh, an important place in this work, not just creativity itself, but the way we work as visionaries, you know, like before you make a film, you got nothing. And then the end result is a film that's visionary work. So here we are again, sort of needing visionaries to help shape the future. And, um, yeah, so, so. I'd love to hear from you uh, as a filmmaker and storyteller about, you know, how, how, um, those parts of your identity have guided your work so far and how they will guide the organizing forward. You know, I, I came to this, uh, work, uh, the climate work, uh, after I, I was in Los Angeles for 20 years. And one of the last things I did to it there was do a big show for discovery channel about solutions to climate change. And I didn't, before I, I started that, I didn't know anything about it, right? I just was just going to pick up and learn. And, and I've done that many, many times where I didn't know anything about a topic, but, but got involved in some way. And then because I'm starting fresh, 
I've got to learn it all, right? So, so we we spent a year and a half talking to everybody around the world, like like daily conference calls with all the experts about climate. And so w- when that process was over, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to, I can't not do something. This is my life's work. You know, it's it's too important, right? So that's that's what really makes it easy for me is that. I know what's at stake and I know where things are going if we don't act. So, um, when, you know, when I, when I moved back to Michigan and I realized I'm from Michigan actually, but when, um, when I moved back, I realized that, you know, uh, I've got these skills that I learned just, just craft, right. You know, making, telling stories and editing and shooting and whatever. And I have to apply them to this, to this movement. And that's when I got involved and, and, um, uh, really it, it, it is easy from a, from, from my standpoint, because I, I mean, I basically use what I learned in some other industry and applying it to something that I think is super important, you know, for me to go off and do a movie for somebody or to, you know, I get, I get, <laughs> I get questions all the time about, Hey, I got this idea for a monster truck show that we can, you know, help me pitch it to discovery. It's like, nah. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm where I need to be. And, and, um, um, you know, I don't know at all. And I've actually learned a lot about strategy and I've learned a lot about, and there's other people on in our group that are way better at that than I am, but I've learned, you know, and I've become like a second, it's, it's, it's become a sort of a second craft, this communication business, writing the emails and, and, uh, um, thankfully there's a lot of smarter people than me that, that, um, can point me in the right direction. And if I see something that I am good at and I can help with, I'm happy to scoop in and, you know, run with it and, and, and lend my, whatever I know how to do. Yeah. And, and that's very generous of you toward your colleagues, but it is a small group and you're mobilizing a huge number of people. And, and so like when, when one of these calls comes out, sometimes it's very, very emergent. And, you know, something shows up in the news and you have to mobilize people as quickly as possible. So can you like walk me through and and I'm thinking about organizing as a whole, because I, I learn from every movement, whether the outcome is ideal or not, you know, we're all learning, we're all growing and we're getting stronger as a movement and more effective in whatever the next thing that we need to be called to do is. So Walk me through, you know, maybe an example from the last few years of, of this line five story of like finding something out and needing to get the word out and call people to action very quickly. Well, you know, we have, um, over the past 10 years built a heck of a list, uh, you know, like a a database of people that are interested and we spend a lot of time. And I actually, that's one of the things I do all the time is work with the database and work with. Um, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on the back end of the whole thing, uh, to, to make sure everything works. But what, what, what that's done is assemble a list of people around the country and some around the world that are really interested in the investing in this topic. And so we keep the list updated with the information and, uh, you know, we've got emails and we've got, um, we've got, uh, cell phones. We've got a lot of people following us on social media. So like, for example, this last, even just a couple of days ago, yeah, we were expecting that the MPSC was going to make an announcement, you know, that, 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 uh, 
we felt at the end of this year, sometime they were going to make a decision and they've got monthly meetings or whatever the meetings are, or maybe every two months, but they don't put out the agenda until the day before, which is crazy. So we didn't know. I mean, we kind of had a feeling we had the press release pre-written right for both ways, but, uh, when it was time, we immediately at my, you know, at our fingertips, we have, you know, tens of thousands of people on a list and we could send it out. Right. And we got a, we got a hundred people to show up, uh, in Lansing. Um, and that happened with, in less than 24 hours. And it was really be just because of that list. Um, uh, we, we, uh, we had a lot of good relationships with media, you know, we're very responsive and we know that you have to, if, if you're going to be in a story, you've got to get something out within the first 60 minutes of that story happening because all the reporters around the country, around the state, you know, media or uh, um, like TV, radio, and, uh, newspapers and online stuff they're they have to write their story. They have deadlines and they've got to get it out. Right. So so we've developed a good media list uh, to be able to, at the at a moment's notice, send out a press release and get in the stories that happen. Uh, you know, and because if if we don't, you know, who's going to be in there is Enbridge. <laughs> you know, so um, and they they usually get in if if they please. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes they just send a a statement and they don't want to talk to anybody. Um, but. Uh, you know, that, that's another way that we can really stay on top of, um, uh, the, the news cycle is, 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 and it's, it's basically through years of developing a list, um, and, and keeping those lists active and keeping people engaged. Uh, we're, we encourage people to unsubscribe if they don't want to be involved, because a lot of times people will take an action and they say they want their emails. And then, you know, if they're not going to open them and if they're not going to take action, then, you know, and if they got other better things to do, then. We prefer that you unsubscribe because we want the people that are the most engaged. And I think we have that. Yeah, I think so too. And you make it easy for people too. Um, you know, people get overwhelmed in general, but also with um, the problems of the world. And it's easy for people to make an excuse of like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I feel powerless, but I feel like you, um, the oil and water don't mix coalition does a fantastic job of just giving people clear directives. Here's what you can do. And it's very, very easy. Click on this. It's like one, two or three steps pretty much yeah. Here's what you can do. Yeah. I think, um, the, the thing I've learned over years of writing emails is that emails should have one thing to do. <laughs> um, I, I, I get all these emails all the time with like, Oh, here's a list of 18 events that you can go to. You know, if you have, a, you have an event email, that's okay. I get that. But nobody's going to do the fifth thing if you're asking them to do the first thing, right? So keep it to one because everybody, everybody, uh, everybody's time is very short. Everybody's very busy. They have their own passions. Sometimes this is just a side thing for them. They're interested, but they're not going to like lay down their lives to or put their bodies on the line for something. So yeah, make it easy. Uh, make it easy, simple. Uh, let them know you're going to follow up with them. Um, there's all these like, uh, all these psychological things that, that you have to think about, uh, when you're trying to motivate people to do things and, um, and also don't waste their time. You know, uh, we never send stuff that's just superfluous that, Hey, have you seen this thing that isn't that important? No, we don't, we don't worry about that. You know, they get the important stuff from us. And so that they know that, oh, maybe I should do something. 
and this is another question about that, that work. And it's when you have people who all have a lot, there's a lot at stake for all of us. And then a lot of people have a lot of energy invested into this. How do you deal with dialogues about basically governance? Like the, how do we make decisions about how things are going to go? Um, and have, how do you get through inevitable conflict around different ideas about what this is going to be used for or what that one action is? How has that gone? Um, you know, I, we have, we've put together a group of, we're all friends on this campaign. You know, we've, we've all been doing this for 10 years. And, um, um, if you ever get the chance to speak with David Holtz, uh, he'll go on and on. David, David was a newspaper reporter in his old times and then Sierra club guy. And, He's been a, he's been in charge of all the different organizations across the state, but his, his strategy mind is brilliant. And what he says about this campaign is I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, we're, the, the, we're, we're, we're structured as a campaign. We're not really a, an organization per se. Everybody that is, that works on this, all the different organizations have their own strengths and they go off and play to their own strengths. And, and nobody stopped them from doing it. The only thing that we all agree on is we want to shut this pipeline down. How are we going to do that? Right. And how are we going to do it respectively? Um, we're, we're, you know, we're not, we'll have, we'll have things that are protests, but we're not the kind of people that are going to go blow up a pipeline. That's not us. Um, we are, we're in the middle working with government, working with policy, working with legal, we're working with the public. Uh, working in communications, um, and we're coordinating all of these different groups. Um, and then you've got others like National Wildlife Federation, which are not necessarily part of the the oil and water don't mix campaign, but they've got incredible strengths and they use them all the time. And it, we're it's all symbiotic, right? They do stuff that we can't do. Sometimes we do stuff that they can't or don't have the time to. Um, and it's really and the, where, where I was going with David Holtz is he's never worked on a campaign. He's been doing this his whole life. He's never worked on a campaign where there's so much synergy and so much love amongst the people that are all working on this because we all have this common mission and it really feels good to, to really roll up your sleeves and get things done. You know, when, when, when we turned out at the, at the, to turn out people at just at the last meeting, we had Ross Fisher who was sending texts. We had, uh, we had Sean and Levi that were writing press releases and we had, I was sending out emails and then I did videos and we all just like do it because, um, we know what needs to get done and, and we let people use their strengths to make it happen. Beautiful. Yeah. I, that's how it seems from the outside too. And what I'm hearing is that this recipe is built on genuine relationships around people who are deeply invested in a very focused goal and and are willing to do the work and set ego aside to cooperate and to put time in and everybody's got skin in the game and no one's trying to make it about themselves right yeah yeah it's really it's really a beautiful thing and um Again, I have so much gratitude and you said love too. And you can feel that at every event that I've been to, there, there is this shared love of the Great Lakes, of 
of the natural world of community. And, and this is really, you know, a story that has like really struck the heart of our identity. People who are of this place um, care about this place and the threat um, is a deep threat to that very identity and this very place as a whole. Um, so, you know, in closing bill, uh, and, and again, I thank you for, for jumping on with me, um, you know, in very short notice. Um, and I know that's your style. Um, and I'd love to follow up with you soon. Um, and perhaps Sean or David would like to get on too. We've had some great talks with Sean. Um, but just to keep, you know, keep the story going as it, as you take a, a more national federal strategy. Um, in closing, you know, any, any thoughts or, or actions, um, reflections that you'd like to share with our listeners? We, we're very grateful to have some young listeners on, and I know that young people have played a big role in this movement so far. Oh, totally. You know, um, there are going to be a lot of things to do coming up in the next few months. Um, so we're looking for people to go to our website and sign up as a volunteer. Um, you know, if, if you get our emails already, that's great. If you want to, um, the things that we're going to be doing are reaching out to con our elected uh, congressional members, because we can't just call President Biden and say, hey, do this. He's got to hear from a lot of different people, right? So, so we're going to need to, to be involved and, and reach out to senators and representatives and um, uh, it, that takes people. So, you know, volunteering is an incredibly, uh, uh, valuable way to help. Um, you know, there's uh, always the merchandise on the with water domic store, you know, you got to get a hat, um, or a t-shirt, but, uh, um, just, you know, putting your hand up. That's, that's the most important thing. Um, because we need a lot of people right now. Great. Well, you know, we won't give up and, and we're, we're ready for the next action. Thank you so much for all the work that you do, Bill. Appreciate oh, thank it. you. Thank you. And you too, you know, you guys are doing amazing things and I really love, um, that you're bringing art and, uh, uh, and that, you know, it, that it brings heart to the work, right. And it brings in it and it, and it taps into people's desire to do good things. And, uh, and that's what, what I think we're trying to accomplish. And I, and I think you guys are as well. Thank you. Ever onward. You bet. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Water is powered by the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan. This campaign represents an opportunity to help place clean water issues front and center by partnering with environmental organizations across the state, by educating voters, and by urging every candidate running for public office to make a strong stand on critical issues affecting Michigan's waters. Using storytelling and music events across the state to amplify the groundswell of public support for clean water issues, this campaign is driven by Michiganders from all walks of life who share a similar priority, protection of our water. 
both State of Water and the Clean Water Campaign are programs of the Michigan-based nonprofit Title Track. Their mission, engaging creative practice to build resilient social ecological systems that support clean water, racial equity, and youth empowerment. <laughs>